Today's reading is taken from Daniel chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up a great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings, like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very, very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair on his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was saying. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is as an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The Interpretation of the Dream I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the true meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. 
the four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying, with its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell. The horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. <clears throat> he gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times and half a time. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. This is the word of the Lord. All right, great. Uh, Daniel, I'm sure you found it weird, so let's pray for understanding. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you that every scripture speaks of Jesus. Pray that we get a greater view of him today. Please speak to all of our hearts to make us love him and to live for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's weird, isn't it? It's a big change from the Sunday school stories in the previous part of Daniel. Long ago, people, uh, well, no, there we go, made these kind of pictures as if it would uh, help understand it. Actually, as you heard, half the chapter is just explaining what's going on, so it's, it's not that difficult. But you, you, you read this, you think this is, it scares you off. I mean, we should look at this, though, because it's, it's God's word, isn't it? It's in the Bible, it's what uh, something God says. But also, this is the most important chapter in all of Daniel. I don't know if you knew that. Like the lion's den, that's the story we all know. There, there's one passing reference in, in Hebrews. But the Son of Man is all over the New Testament, right? This is the big chapter that they were reading and reading and reading. And it will be really helpful. But like I said, it's in a, a different genre. This kind of vision with beasts and things. 
It's called apocalyptic, and that comes from to reveal. It reveals things to us. It reveals spiritual realities. It reveals the future. It reveals what's really going on. And that's really helpful to know what's really going on, to know what things will be like. Uh, you're here as a Christian, and you, is the Christian life really what you expected? Or is it maybe more tough than you thought? If it's tough, is that because you're doing something wrong, or is that normal? You need to know what to expect, right? So a chapter that tells you what to expect is great. Or you're visiting, you wonder, what is it like being a Christian? Well, this is what you can expect. Because Daniel is about living in exile, living in a hostile world. And we need preparation. God wants to prepare people to live in exile. Is this all right? Uh, yeah. And uh, he does two things. He gives us confidence that he's in charge. That's the first few chapters. But now we get, yeah, what it's going to be like. And it's really helpful. I mean, illustration. Think of something scary and painful. I thought of, I don't know, won't happen to me, giving birth for the first time. I don't know. I think that would scare most of us, right? You think of the screaming and those kind of things. You need to be prepared for that. I know there may be people here who would love to give birth and you'd look forward to this, but I hope you get the illustration. Now, how can a doctor help you prepare for this? First of all, he can show his qualifications, right? He's delivered 10,000 babies over the past 25 years. Here's all his medals and certificates. You can trust him. In the same way God is in charge, we can trust him. But also, this is the stuff that will happen. Right? First, you get those cramps, the contractions. It means the cervix is opening. And when that becomes about five minutes, you need to go to the hospital. Knowing what will happen helps you to be prepared. And that is these chapters of Daniel 7 to 12. And how does it work? I guess it makes an impression, isn't it? It's such powerful imagery. It makes an impression. Uh, some, pa some paintings, they have lots of detail that, that mean something, like this one, uh, The Ambassadors by Hans Holbein, and the fact that one has secular clothes and the other is a priest, and then there's the, the globe and the compass, and every detail has meaning, and you need to get those details to appreciate it. Other paintings are just to give an impression. Uh, you get the most out of it by just standing back, and what do you see? And that's what we're going to do today. And I think that is also what this chapter adds. So you may remember uh, the first bit of Daniel is kind of organized like this with chapters that belong together. So chapter 7 belongs to chapter 2. And it's very similar, right? Four kingdoms, four earthly kingdoms, and then God's kingdom. And what does it add then? Well, this imagery, it tells you what it's like. So, so what? Four kingdoms and then God's kingdom. Well, what is it going to be like? That's what we're going to see today. And first, well, earthly kings, beasts. That's what you see, right? How does it start? The wind blows and out of the sea come four great beasts. And we are told later that is, well, it's four kingdoms or four kings because 
what a kingdom is like depends on the king. In chapter 2 it was a statue, but here they're, they're beasts. And not just any beasts, and not just any animal. It's not like uh, these kind of... Uh, yeah? That is not what Daniel sees. He sees predators. A lion, a bear, a leopard, and a beast that he just can't even describe. This is how Daniel sees these, these earthly kings. Beasts, predators. And, uh, verse 7 what is this, uh, this fourth beast? Terrifying and frightening. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims, trampled underfoot whatever was left. Uh, the bear, uh, verse 5. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. That is the kind of beasts he sees. Uh, last week, I think we sang that song, I can wriggle like a worm. And there's this line, I can hug like a bear. Parents, warn your children, bears don't give hugs. Bears bite and eat you, okay? <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, kings like Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Daniel sees that as being ruled over by beasts. And that is not pleasant, right? Do you want a, a beast on the throne? But, but why beasts? What does it mean? I think the clue is in uh, verse 4. Verse 4 is kind of the first beast, and we know from chapter 2, that's kind of Nebuchadnezzar. What happens to him? Now, the first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. Here's a beast that kind of it stands up and becomes a man. Where did we see that? Sounds familiar? It was last week, wasn't it? Remember last week if you were here? Nebuchadnezzar, he was proud. This is my Babylon that I have built. And God humbled him. He made him into a beast, an animal. And then at the end, he, yeah, he stood up and he acknowledged God. That is here. And so being a beast is about refusing to acknowledge God, right? These, why are they beasts? Because they, they ignore God. They just rule their own way. I'm going to rule my way. I'm not going to care about God. And that is a beast. That is what Nebuchadnezzar was like until God had mercy on him and changed him and he repented. I guess this is what the world is like since Genesis 3. I mean, think about it. Genesis 1, who is in charge of the world? Mankind. But when does it go wrong? Well, when they give their power to the serpent, an animal. Beasts, yeah, don't acknowledge God. They don't know God, and that's how they rule, and that's the world we live in. I guess philosophically, I, I, I think this is quite interesting. I mean, what makes a true human? Here it is the fact that we're in God's image, that we're like him. And some people say, well, we want to fulfill our human potential, so we need to leave God behind, leave religion behind. And then we become truly human. The Bible says, no, no, you become an animal if you're forgetting God. But this is not about philosophy. This is practical, isn't it? Because 
the world is ruled by beasts and that is the world you live in and that sounds awful and if you look closer yeah it's, it's not just generally awful there is sometimes brutal persecution because in this vision somewhere in the fourth kingdom there's this uh, this one little horn that shows up and then he was very curious uh, verse 20 I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up before which three of them fell the horn that looked more imposing than the others uh, verse 21 as I watched this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them uh, verse 25 he will speak against the most high and oppress his holy people. In all this beastly mess, Daniel sees a very nasty king, a little horn, who oppresses the people, and, well, he defeats them. He oppresses them. And no wonder that at the end he is unsettled and scared, right? This is going to happen. You probably wonder, yeah, but that was Daniel. We are two and a half thousand years later. Surely this is past. Well, how should we take this vision of these four kingdoms? Is this for us? Well, on one hand, yes, these are Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. There is a sense in which it is, yeah, history. But at the same time, four is a symbolic number, isn't it? In most of uh, this kind of literature, there's a lot of symbolic numbers. And four is the number of the world creation there's four winds north south east west so the fact that it's four kingdoms it's kind of this is what the whole earth is like and also we won't look much at chapter eight it's another two beasts it's the second and third kingdom but there's another little horn in chapter eight but that's in the third kingdom and you just think is it in the fourth kingdom or in the third kingdom and uh, the answer is, I think, both. It's just a, a regular feature of life. I mean, how often have you had a nasty king persecuting the people? Yes, uh, there was a guy uh, during the Greek kingdom. He was called Antiochus Epiphanes. But Nero, he was a rather nasty guy. Uh, some of the popes. Uh, recently, Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot. There's constantly little evil guys and they die and then it's okay but then another guy shows up that is what we see here we see beasts and sometimes brutal persecution in a way it's good to know that isn't it you'll become a Christian what is life going to be like or just generally in this world expect life to be awful I don't know how to put it differently the world is ruled by beasts ruthless beasts who don't care about God who just rule for themselves don't expect compassion don't expect justice don't expect fairness that is the world we live in and some are better some are worse and Nebuchadnezzar gets converted that's great but generally things will be awful it takes different shapes Hong Kong okay there's no persecution true but then again, the work ethic, is that very nice here? When kids in kindergarten get given so much homework, they have to work until 11 p.m. That's not normal, right? 
Uh, that's not God's way. That's oppressive. In different ways, I think, yeah, we live in a world that ignores God, and hence it's, it's oppressive. Whether it's, yeah, it's at school or your boss or the government, it's a godless world, and it's awful. Now, that's very bleak and hopeless, isn't it? That's a nice message to encourage each other with. But it doesn't stop there, thankfully. Because, what's the next thing? God's intervention. Uh, Yes, the world will continue, but God will intervene. And during this awful fourth kingdom, we get verses 9 and 10. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. And we get this great vision with a courtroom with hundreds of millions of angels. And, well, the Ancient of Days, that's clearly God, right? So he's before everything else, blazing fire, white as wool, pure holiness. In a way, it's scary, isn't it? These beasts are scary, but God is, in some ways, even scarier, isn't it? And he, uh, yeah, the books are opened, and it's a law court. It's, it's judgment, justice. In this case, of course, no process, no lawyers, no jury, God doesn't need that, right? He just reads out the verdict. And that's great news. Verse 11. The beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. That is what's going to happen with these godless kingdoms. Burnt, killed and burnt. And the kingdom is given to one like a son of man. That's what we'll look at later. And that is, yeah, verse 18. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, the world is awful, but God will intervene and God's people will inherit the kingdom forever. That's the good news. And we can have confidence. God is in charge. Yes, this beast is powerful. That's a bit different from chapters 1 to 6. There, Daniel made fun of these these men like Nebuchadnezzar. But here, you know, it's uh, kings are beasts. They are scary. But God is just far more powerful. No battle, no struggle. Just he steps in and the beast is killed. Done. And maybe some of us are squeamish. We don't like violence and judgment. How is this loving towards the beast? Well, if God didn't act, how is it loving towards the oppressed? I'd say. And this is good news. God will intervene. God will act. And it's great. But in a way, we knew that. It's great news, but it's not new. I think the new thing, we saw the nature of earthly kingdoms. But what is the nature of God's kingdom? And then we need to look at God's king, which is the son of man. Because after the beast is killed... Verses 13 and 14. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. 
He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Uh, this is God's king. The beasts come from the earth. This king comes from the, with the clouds of heaven. And yeah, we know this is Jesus. It's a human being. That's what a son of man means, a son of Adam, a human being. And, and Jesus, yeah, he was asked, are you God's king? Mark fourteen sixty two, I am, said Jesus, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Yeah? He thinks he's the son of man. But what does this chapter then reveal about Jesus? Yes, this is Jesus, but what does it show of him? Well, how does he compare with the other kingdoms? Have a think. How does Jesus here compare with the other kingdoms? The others were beasts, but Jesus is a man, a human being, right? God's king is a human being. And if beasts ignore God and rule their own way, Jesus is a king who acknowledges God, who rules God's way, who rules with compassion and justice, who is a a good king, right? That is what we see here. It's not just, okay, there's another kingdom, but Jesus is this good king. He is humane. And that, that word that relates to human, humane. It's how things were meant to be. I mean, if you think about it, um, here's a man receiving the kingdom. It's going back to Genesis 1, right? The world is again how it should be. No more beasts in charge. No more serpent in charge. No. Uh, life was meant to be with a, a human in charge of the world. That is what God is doing. Jesus is, is a man. He's not a beast. He is compassionate and kind. He reflects God. That is the king we will have. That is the king God has given us. I don't know how you think of Jesus. We often sing of him as our, our friend and our, our, our mate. That's true, but at the same time, he's a, he's a king, right? He is given authority and sovereign power, and all nations of the whole world will worship him. At the same time, he's not just distant, he is, he's a man. He is loving and compassionate, and when he rules, you will never be unfairly treated. You'll never suffer oppression. You'll never suffer violence. That is when Jesus will rule. Isn't that what we want? You're struggling, life is hard. You need Jesus. You need Jesus to come back and, and start exercising his loving rule. And if you're a Christian, that is your future. Doesn't it give you hope, right? If you are, think, oh, life is awful, that's right. Because of a world that doesn't acknowledge God. You have this king. And he will come back and he will fully rule and you'll be there. Uh, that is, is wonderful. If you're here as a visitor, that is what you need as well. Right? I don't know what, about your life. My guess is you're looking for answers. You've come here today. Well, the answer is Jesus. 
if you are there in that kingdom, no more oppression, no more injustice, only compassion and love from this wonderful king. That is what you need. Of course, you need to be there. Wonderful king, real hope. You need to join the holy ones. It will be a world where God is acknowledged everywhere by everyone. Of course, if you don't acknowledge God, if you couldn't care about God, there's no place for you. You need to come back to him. But there is the option. You can come to Jesus and you'll be there. Indeed, for all the people around us, right? I mean, we live in a world full of broken, hurting people. That's what you expect if the world is ruled by beasts. But most of all, they need to know about Jesus, the Son of Man. Because the real hope here is not a different beast. It is being in God's kingdom with the Son of Man. So that is the the great message for today. That, yeah, life will be awful. But there is a great kingdom coming under this wonderful king. And that is what I hope we're all looking forward to. And, And we know Jesus is loving. Most of all, well... He died on the cross, didn't he? You can come back to Jesus because when he first came, he didn't come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many, for all of us. So pay attention as we have communion. Remember, this is the king who died for you. Which king has ever died for you? Let's celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember our wonderful king and how wonderful it will be to be with him. Why don't I leave half a minute and then I'll pray and then I'll hand over to you. Oh no, sorry, then we're going to sing. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for such a wonderful king. A king who rules your way. Who rules with compassion and justice and fairness. Thank you that you've given us hope in a world that doesn't acknowledge you that is ruled by beasts. Thank you we can have hope. Pray that it would strengthen us, that as we share life together, we point each other to Jesus and keep following him. Father, thank you that we can be with him. Thank you that he died for us. He died and paid the punishment for our sins, and we can celebrate that. Father, we are weak. We need your strength. We need to keep going. Please keep reminding us of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.